Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show onto Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other places people like to listen? How do I make money for my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors too, and you can get paid to podcast. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.com fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Hi, I'm Jason Sachs, writer of The American Comic Book Chronicles of the 1970s and The American Comic Book Chronicles of the 1990s, available through Amazon.com, through Tomorrows.com, or through your favorite comic shop or other retailer. Today on Classic Comics Cavalcade, I'm rerunning an old interview I did with comic creator Mark Schultz back in 2011. Schultz is probably best known for his work on Xenozoic Tales, which was adapted as the 1990s cartoon series Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. As you can hear, Schultz is a uh, thoughtful artist with a lot of really interesting ideas about his work. At the time that we chatted, he had the opportunity to draw Prince Valiant, which was a highlight of his career, and I think you will enjoy our chat. So here we are with Mark Schultz. Thanks. Okay, so I am here with Mark Schultz, who, um, among other things, is famous for Xenozoic Tales, or Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, um, which is now uh, back in print again after, well, it wasn't out of print for very long, but before that it was out of print for quite a while. Um, I was struck reading the book just how much it still stands up today. It's, it's still very beautiful, unique, interesting work. How do you feel about it when you look at it today after having worked on it, started on it? How long ago now? Oh boy, I started in 1986, so been well over, oh, well over, what's that? 25 years? 25 years, is that oh possible? Oh my goodness. Well, doesn't seem right. <laughs> I, uh, it's an anniversary. Yeah, we're, we're talking an anniversary here, I guess. You need a limited edition hardcover, I think. Well, hopefully at a certain point that's coming. you got to generate some new work, which we can talk about. Okay. I, I created Xenozoic Tales uh, partially out of frustration with the work I was doing at the time, doing commercial art, and I wanted to create a, a story, a concept that, something I could live with, something that had many story possibilities, something that wasn't a flash in the pan with me anyway, and, and I had time to develop this slowly, so I kind of refined it concept was something I wanted to live with, something I wanted to be able to, to develop, much like Hal Foster did Prince Valiant over his lifetime. And yeah, I'm happy to say I've remained interested in it over all these years. I haven't been able to devote the, uh, the time to creating new stories in the last 10 years that I'd, I'd like to be able to, but again, I'll get back to that. Uh, but I'm always very, uh, very gratified by the response I get from people, that it remains uh, popular a popular book with nice popular stories that uh, people new generations uh, are responding to so I guess something about them was done right it seems like it's aged really well 
you know, because it's so in, it's so based on the kind of the classical way the classical way of constructing a story as opposed to a much more modern feel to it. It, it feels much more classic in a lot of works. You mentioned Foster. There's obviously a lot of Al Williamson in the work also, yes. and that kind of gives it a much more illustrative classic feel. I'm sure that's obviously on purpose. Exactly right. I mean, I my my aesthetics, my my love in comics and illustration is grounded in the classic naturalists, uh, Raymond and Foster, Williamson, Wally Wood, and, and the great illustrators, the great American illustrators that they pulled from. But I've always tried to be mindful of the fact that while that is an inspiration, that is something that informs my work. I can't try to duplicate that. I have to also keep a storyline, keep aesthetics, uh, keep characterizations that are more contemporary, something that that works with the culture, social concerns, whatever, that are, are happening today. You can't just try to nostalgically duplicate a past period. You've got to use that to get across the message, to get across the storyline that works for people today. It does feel very contemporary in a lot of ways. and. I mean, like, part of it is the timeless feel. Part of it also is the fact that, you know, as the cartoon series, you know, Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, there's something about just that alone that conjures up a certain image in readers' minds, contemporary and classical all at the same time. Because well, the, the joke was always that the Cadillacs have kind of become dinosaurs. Right. They're the old okay. Detroit heavy metal that... Uh, uh-huh. That uh, is, a, is an illustrious, glorious, very, uh, very uh, magnificent task, but they don't really resound with new car buyers. You know, they're beautiful. They're beautiful instruments, but their day as huge gas guzzlers is kind of past. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just worked out very well that uh, some of the imagery that I wanted to work into the story again, because I love it. Uh, lucky for me, I guess, has responded. I mean, the, the readers have responded to it. And Jack and Hannah are just such classic, fantastic lead characters, too. I mean, I know how, I, I can tell from your sketchbooks how you love, like, Tarzan and John oh, Carter yeah. and a lot of the other classic characters. Did, did you really try to create characters who are archetypical in a way? I wanted to create characters that were both archetypal, uh, because, again, that's what I read and loved growing up. But put a spin on them that made them contemporary. Jack and Hannah, I didn't want the all traditional male-female relationship right. to complete. I wanted that to be part of it because there's a great deal of sex appeal in that, but I also wanted Hannah and Jack to stand on equal ground. Um, yeah, I like that Hannah's a, a strong woman on her own. It's beautiful. Um, you know, everyone enjoys seeing a beautiful woman to look strong and you know, skippy clothes and everything. But at the same time, she stands on her own two feet. She can shoot a gun and fight a dinosaur just as well as he can. And I gotta say, that's the kind of woman that attracts me. I like independent, <laughs> strong women. So it wasn't a big leap for me to, <laughs> yeah, to transfer my personal, my personal interests onto the, onto the page. Now, even back then, though, the books stood out. There's only a few books that were particularly illustrated, especially. You know, maybe Nexus is another one that pops to mind as being, you know, very grounded. Did you feel like you were part of the larger kind of um, comics movement at that time. You're also at a different publisher with a lot of people. Uh, you know, I came out of uh, kind of love of comics, and I followed comics since I was a kid. But I was never part of the uh, the fan scene, the convention scene. I, I was very divorced from all that. So 
and, I, and I've always done Xenozoic Tales for myself, essentially. This is what I wanted to see. So, I guess what I'm saying is those kind of concerns never entered my mind. I never thought of myself in terms of, well, how does this fit in with, with what else is being done in comics at this time? I just, if anything, I'm thinking in terms of, well, I, I love this stuff personally. i got to believe that other people will respond to it, too, if I respond to it. Um, and again, it turned out that there was some truth to that. That worked out fine. You had a great ride with the book for a few years. I worked primarily, exclusively, I should say, on the book for about 11 years. Really? Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, I remember a lot of it started to become, it started to come out slower and slower. It's a little hard to track it, but it still was kind of what you worked on exclusively, which I guess shows how painstaking you were with the art. That, that was my failing. I, as I became more interested in refining myself technically, my drawing ability, each issue took more and more time until it became to the point where I was only producing an issue a year. And you can't make a living doing that. That kind of undermines the series. I was a big fan of it at the time, and I ended up just losing track of the title, honestly. I, Especially when we hit the black and white boom and then the aftermath of that. Right, yeah. Yeah, you know what? The black and white boom propelled me. That got my career going. You know, Kitchen Sink was my first publisher. Dennis Kitchen brought me into the comics world. And and comics needed more creators at that time. There was a, there was a, a, a publishing boom. We needed... There wasn't enough cartoonists to fill the uh, the need, so I, I hit the uh, I hit the ground at the right time. Um, but we know, you know, it, that boom only lasted a year or so, and there was a lot of attrition in the field. Xenozoic uh, Tales, knock on wood, made the cut and lasted, but it became harder and harder to maintain the sales, uh, the competition, changes in the field uh, that came in the early '90s. The, the, uh, the growth of comics, the mainstream comics, uh, people moving more towards works by people like Jim Lee and, uh, and uh, Todd McFarlane and stuff. There's kind of a shift in the industry. Yeah, away from the heavily illustrative look and more right, the heavily illustrative and more more to um, the kind of more amateur uh, juvenile. What well, we're talking here, I've got to squeeze in a. Uh, I, yeah, I can pause it. I've got to squeeze like. in a signature on the book. Does the person want a? Uh, no, okay. I'm just gonna a real world event <laughs> happening in real time. Real life as it happens. I should have taken out the Thank camera you. too. Uh, it was an interesting shift, right? Because uh, the industry really made a change to the kind of flashier art that also was much less classically influenced, much less, you know, anatomically based too. I mean, your work shows, you know, education and experience in terms of anatomy, right? Well, it's uh, I, I don't want to make any value judgments. It's an aesthetic that okay. amongst a lot of, let's say, uh, entry-level comic book fans, younger comic book fans, uh, it was not as popular. And uh, the good thing is, though, there's always a, a base, a fan base for that. It's not necessarily as large as the fan base is for other types of but there's always there's always a, a, a continuing consistent fan base that, that enjoys that kind of classic naturalistic art. So I've been lucky that you know they've supported me through the years in one effort or another. 
we're seeing that with the book staying in print, I suppose. Right, right, exactly. The fact that there's been uh, there's been enough interest to keep Denisovic Tales in print uh, in reprints over the years shows that yeah, people there is there is enough people out there that appreciate that. And then you went through a lot of the adventure with Hollywood too, right? If I remember right, there was a cartoon that's going out of the TV show. How much of that did you have an influence on? Well, yeah, we licensed the rights to do a, a TV adaption, an animated adaption of Xenozoic Tales, which is called Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, to uh, Novana, the animation studio Novana in Canada. And it was produced as a Saturday morning TV show in 1993 for 93-94 season for CBS. Um, I didn't have an awful lot to do with it. I had the uh, contractual right to say yay or nay to specific scripts to kind of keep things from wandering too far off from the original content, uh, the original uh, concept, I'm sorry. But I, I didn't have the time, nor did I have the, the power to really dictate much in the way of the look or the content of the show beyond the initial yay or nay on script proposals. And what I took from that also was, in the future, if I'm ever so lucky to have interface with my property in Hollywood again, is just basically take the money and run. <laughs> it's a huge beast. You can't control it. Just take that money and do the work that I can control. I've heard that from multiple people. Like, once you, the deeper you get into it, the more it sucks you, and it's like a black hole. You need to stay, stay in the orbit of it. The closer you get, the more it drags. And, and you can't and really win unless you've had success within Hollywood and build a career that allows you some power. Uh, you can't just go in cold and say, well, that's my property you're licensing. You can't do that. that. That doesn't fly. They have the money, and money is power. And you had the very strange experience, I'm sure, of having news stories based on your world. Is that, if I remember right, produced by other people, right? Because... Right. Tops did a line. Was it, Tops did right? a line of uh, Cadillacs and Dinosaurs comics, which I had really nothing to do with, um, other than saying "go" and "prosper." It was uh, it was interesting because uh, Roy Thomas wrote a lot of the stories. I might have written all of them. I'm not sure now. Okay. And he's a wonderful writer. I love his writing. I think he did a very good job with the series, but again, I'm a control freak, I'm very proprietary about this, so to me, those are not real Xenozoic stories. They're an interpretation, someone else's viewpoint, and they're wonderful, but they're not part of the canon. How did they work out with the idea of having other people create um, stories in your universe? I mean, how, did, how did you work out the kind of deal with that? I'm not sure exactly other than it was the licensing deal. They were given the rights okay. to do that. Huh. Uh, it's not like Thomas adapting Conan and Conan's the print concept. I mean, yeah. you've done the comic. Same idea. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I'm having trouble thinking of another instance that where this, that something similar happened. Now, uh, off the hand, I can't think of yeah. a comic book that was adapted into another comic book. That is I never thought of that in terms of <laughs> It's interesting. Hmm. I have to think about that. But you're still drawing, despite oh, the fact yes. you do that. Your sketchbooks are beautiful. Obviously, you. you love the classic um, classic fantasy oh, literature. Oh, absolutely. You see a lot of Bryce Burroughs and other characters in, in there. And working with uh, Plus Publications, John Pleskis, you know, his uh, his wheelhouse, his central uh, interest is, is classic illustration. 
And uh, so I'm able to kind of showcase and develop more of my illustration side working with John. And we're showcasing that in the uh, various drawings collections. And uh, of course, John has also collected Zeno's Other Tales again, which is wonderful. It's the first time it's really been reproduced properly and using uh, new scanning techniques and, uh, you know, the, the printing that's available now that wasn't available before. So it's a, it's a package I'm very happy with. But like yeah, beyond just that... Just like with all of John's books, the reproduction is spectacular. Beyond that, uh, it, like I said, it's just the fact that working with John allows me to develop more of my illustration style. I'm going to be doing a couple volumes coming in the future of stories I've written. Uh, one will be a Xenozoic story, but stories, prose stories, that I'll heavily illustrate. Uh, so, a few years down the road, we will have a new Xenozoic story. Oh, great. Stories that you'll heavily, heavily illustrate. Are you talking print stories that are going to be... Yes. So, like your, the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea book that... Gianni drew so beautifully. It's a good example that each Jim Wells story that was reproduced in the back of the Sea Raiders, Gianni provided okay. illustrations for the text, will be in the same format. Right. right now, I'm working on an illustrated book uh, for John that I, I've written called Storms at Sea. Again, it's a prose story, a novelette that I'm illustrating. And the format is going to be a page of text faced with an illustration. And if I do this right, the illustration and the text will supplement. The information that the reader gets will be supplemented by each other. Or in some cases, there might even be a divergence, and the reader has to decide what the <laughs> truth is and what's fantasy. Um, but the, the, that, that project is Storms at Sea, and I'm a little better than half done with that. Okay. And when I'm done with that, I'll go on to the Xenozoic story. First Xenozoic story in, what, 20 years? 20 years? Well, since 1996, yeah, if, what's that, 15? How does it feel coming back to these old characters, this old world? You know, I never move far away from them. I'm always thinking about what I want to do with them. Uh, they're always, they're in my mind all the time. It's not like something I shelved. I'm always thinking, what do I want to do next? When I have the time, how am I going to evolve and develop the story further, where are the characters going. Are, are they going to have age in the meantime, or is it going to kind of continue on? Or? Well, no, they're not going to really have age, no. Okay. I should say the... the well, of course, the, a lot of the fantasy literature that you love, I mean, the characters are the age they are. And right. They, they do age, I mean, but I'm not going to jump ahead. I mean, okay. This, the story will be... Uh, the prose story I'm going to be doing, the illustrated prose story, will be a standalone story. Okay. It won't be connected with the uh, story I left hanging in the comic book. I very much plan to finish that too, but I want to finish that in comic book. I remember that. That was agonizing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm still trying to live with that indiscretion. Okay, we got a lot of pleasure from it anyway. <laughs> um, any other projects or anything else we want to make sure to mention? I continue to work on uh, Prince Valiant, writing Prince Valiant for the newspapers, illustrated beautifully by Gary Gianni. How is it working in the, in the newspaper industry these days? It's wonderful as far as I'm concerned. I, uh, the, the syndicate does not interfere at all. We have, they pretty much let us do what we want to. And, uh, I mean, in some ways, it's now a webcomic to publish in the newspaper industry instead of 
publishing in the newspapers does that kind of open your canvas in a different way I mean it used to be when we'd read a uh, strip in the paper we'd have to remember what happened the day before now everything's right there at your fingertips of course well it's still the format is still geared towards the newspapers and the fact that people see a new installment only once a week so those rules still apply that's part of the format of doing that and it's part of the frustration that the first panel of every Every weekly strip has to reacquaint the reader a little bit with what happened before. Uh -huh. And the last panel has to be some sort of a setup for what's coming next week, which doesn't leave a lot of space. In the, in the, the space requirements that we have in the strips these days, it doesn't leave a lot of, a lot of uh, space or panels to develop a, a story of the week. And that's, that's what it is. And you learn to deal with it, and you learn to make the best of it. Uh -huh. But, you know, until newspapers disappear altogether, I think that's probably going to be still the go-to format that's, you know, that's what we'll be doing. It must be kind of a dream come true also to get to work on Prince Valiant. You mentioned that, I think that was the first thing you mentioned on our interview. It's our interview. very intimidating. It's very intimidating. Uh, you know, Gary and I both are huge fans of the script, the artist that preceded us, and we just try to do our best to uh, maintain a level of quality that... Uh, keep the readers happy. A lot of the readers have been with the strip an awful long time. They've seen a lot of a lot of history. So they, they expect something. They know they know what the past the quality levels have been in the past and they expect that to be continued. We we try to maintain that. Respect for the past. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, perfect. Unless you have anything else you want to make sure to mention. John, do we have anything else to talk about as I projects, I think you've done quite a good job of covering everything. Good, good. you think of anything else you're working on right now that's public consumption? No, no, nothing right now that I can talk about, but, uh, but it's always, you know, my, okay. my, I, I'm happy to say I feel that my home in publishing is with John with Fuzz Publications, and I look forward to doing as many projects with uh, uh, John and the company as I can. Perfect. Thank you, that was great. Great, that was pretty painless. <laughs> <laughs>